I'll invite Craig. Craig! Craig! <laughs> Craig! Craig! Now recording. Craig! Craig! Alright. Time dot is. Time dot is. Let me pull it up. Yeah. Okay. At the... The 50? Okay. normal recording so give me a second to yeah, it's okay. come up with an intro <laughs> hi everybody who wants to shoot the shit with two abby redvolve recorders <laughs> no, i actually no okay but i might actually make like a, a specific intro for this oh uh, just for like uh like the two of us instead of it being like an outdoory fire like or at like uh-huh a hearth or something i don't know i'll see what i can do it's it's like it's 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 maybe like every three or four books we do an episode like this where we just stop and take a little break yeah and we could co- oh what would be a fun little um vatican vacation no that doesn't work uh, no that does not work <laughs> no. um let's see uh, we should have thought of this before we started recording anyway well i mean it's it's summer, so you know yeah. this is when everybody gets like lazy and tired. Yeah, it's fine. Instead of the dog days of summer, it's the fox and otter days of summer. <laughs> I have two fans going on me and a neck cooler and no air conditioning. I'm doing the best I can. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> your family may need to invest in like an air conditioner at some point in the Dad- future. Dad has already decided that once things cool down, once we get like into fall proper and the bit and like they're no longer like being slammed like they are now, he's going to call them and get a quote. He's like, I'm too old for this. I can't handle the heat anymore. Yeah. And if it's like a cool summer where you are, like you can just keep it turned off. Pretty much. Yeah. Because right now all we have is the unit sitting out there probably being a highway for mice. <laughs> Because the other day, Astrid was sniffing around in it, and then I heard a weird noise about half an hour later, and the turd was bumping one of my flower pots, trying to get at something underneath it, so I had to yell at her to quit. And when I went out there to move it back, she'd moved it like a good four to five inches. 
It was just like, dog, what were you after? A mouse, probably. A mouse. Or a shrew. Uh, I don't know if we have shrews out here. I'm sure we do. Because yeah. I did see something the other night that was small and low to the ground. Could have been a shrew. Eh. Okay, so an intro. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is an Abbey Archives special episode. Or, well, an episode where we just decide to talk about the four books that we've read so far, as well as a couple of other children book series that we enjoyed as kids and think you would probably enjoy now, either as adults, teenagers, or kids listening with their parents, which I hope kids are not listening with their parents because we do talk about, <laughs> we do use adult language. Um, it I'm... depends on the parent and their kid. Yeah. Uh, we will, maybe in other episodes, we might talk about things other than children's books. Who knows? Yeah. This is this is just a wind down episode. We're two yeah. older Abbey dwellers just shooting the shit. Yep. I am Kit and I use she her pronouns. I'm Izzy, I use CC pronouns. And you can find us at Abbey Archives on Twitter and, and on, on Tumblr. Tumblr as well. Yeah. Yeah. And on uh, what's our Reddit? I Abbey Archives. Yeah, and on Reddit too. I don't use Reddit, <laughs> but Izzy will be there. So you, you can, can find us Izzy. on the r slash Eulalia uh, subreddit, as well as the r slash Brian Jakes Reddit. Um, there is also an r slash Redwall Reddit, but it is dead. So, um, so the first four books we read: Mossflower, Redwall, Madame Mayo, and Marielle. Mm-hmm. absolutely bizarre that like we've got so it's like Redwall was written first and then we had a string of M names right and when you look at like the nice thing is is I've got a bookshelf now so I can literally just turn around and look at the books and we have yeah. one we have Salamandastron and then we go back to Martin the Warrior <laughs> oh Martin the Warrior's after Salamandastron uh-huh. yes and that's such a good one let's see I don't think we have another M name after that because it's outcast just cue the scare cord here but um pearls elutra marl fox legend oh yeah marl fox i think that's let's see brook tree tagarung tris long hedge rackety town yeah i think that's it really oh wait you still haven't sent me marl fox yet I have not. It's sitting here next to me along with the pop filter I need to send you. <laughs> Marl Fox is so far down the line, okay? Listen. I know, I know, but we, we're, this is going to be I'm a running gag now. It's I'm expensive gonna... <laughs> to mail things, so I'm trying to get like a bunch of things I can mail you all at once. I've got a couple other things, actually, that I need to mail you. You're going to get is, like a package. Izzy, I can also pay for the shipping. I've done that before with other friends. <laughs> anyway... Um, my darling co-host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, we again, we're kind of doing this all by ear. We don't really have any plan. We're not reading off of any list. Nah. Uh, this is a special unscripted episode. Everybody get ready for ramblings and a lot of uhs and oohs, which we're probably going to have to edit out. Uh, <laughs> As if our regular episodes are that scripted. Like, we've got the fucking... <laughs> the, the fucking... We've got the summary, which is still something. So Yeah, we've got the summary, but we go off the rails so much. Yeah, but apparently people like that. So this episode yeah. is just an episode of us going off the rails. Yay! Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and, like, since we're talking about, like, the first four books before we jump into the kids' books, I will say, like, hands down, Mariel has been my favorite so far. It's not yeah, even a competition. But I think if I had to rank it, it would be Mariel, Mossflower, Redwall, and then Madame Ale. Yeah, Madame Ale was not a very strong book. Like, it has very strong characters yes. individually. But the plot and everything all together is so disjointed that, like, remembering anything plot-wise is difficult. It, it, it's to the point where, like, I remember more what I was doing when I was reading it than I actually remember what I was reading. <laughs> like, I remember, because yeah. again, like, uh, Madame Ayo, I was reading that at the start of the pandemic, like, late 2019, early 2020. Mm -hmm. And, like, I live in a really rural area, area. So, like, it didn't actually, like, we didn't have our first case until, shit, like, April or May of 2020? It was, like, God April damn. or May. Yeah, it was April or May. We didn't even go into lockdown until June or July. So, like, we were still going to the Y for, like, a few months before we actually had to, like, shut things down. Um, but like, I remember reading it, like reading it a little bit and like being a little worried about what was going on. And then like, of course I picked up another book, which I didn't realize it, but this other book was from a children's book series. Something about like <laughs> the alchemist's cat. Was what I have book no was idea. I've got no clue. Um, but this book was set during one of the bubonic plague outbreaks in London. Oh. And it was just like, oh, I shouldn't have read that when I did. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, it was just like, this was um, good timing. The book itself wasn't very, well, wasn't very good. But we're getting off topic, aren't we, already? Uh, yes. <laughs> and I will apologize to our listeners. I am already tired because I recorded for four hours this morning, guesting on Escafil Files, which mm -hmm. you will hear. When this comes out, you'll hear it later this week. For those mm -hmm. of you in the future, it's already out. It's book 38, The Arrival, mm -hmm. with my son. Book 38. You guys are getting so close. Ooh. Danielle <laughs> made noises at me and Jade in the episode, and we both were like, you stop that. I, I I'm looking at you, Kit. You stop that. I can't wait for you to get to the end of the series and come and rip me a new one. Like, I can't I'm going to rip you it. both apart. <laughs> Just, anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, I would say that, like, Mariel and Mossflower are my two favorites out of these four that we've read so far. They're very strong, but mm. they're strong in different ways. I think Marielle overall has a more cohesive writing, uh, a better plot. Um, the villains feel more tied into the world. Whereas in Mossflower, it was... It definitely feels more like a retelling of an Arthurian tale from memory. Yes. Which, which is what it is. That's yeah. how it's written. But I don't know if that works in the same way that like Marielle works you know it's like I kind of love it but at the same time like it's not for me it's like not as strong of a story yeah you know it's not I'm, I remember Mossflower but it's I remember like the really high points whereas like Marielle it's like there was so much of it that it's like this is dope as shit yeah. This is really well written. This is like really well tied together. This is our lovely Chekhov's gun on a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> like, baby, I got it all set up for you. It's perfect. Whenever you're ready, just mm -hmm. there you go. 
where there's elements of moss flower that feel disjointed because we are thrown into a world where we don't know the politics we don't know anything really um whereas i feel like in mariel if a new reader started with mariel they would not have any confusion yeah because mary mariel's definitely a good jumping in point because it, it really is do not start on madame Mayo, for no, the love of god no. that book would turn anybody off the series like it's not a bad book but it is just not cohesive because like it's it's got a lot of really good, strong characters. Well, okay, you know what? I take it back. It's got, like, three strong characters, <laughs> which make the book tolerable. And it's not even... I feel bad to say, it's not even Matthias or Matameo. They are no. not good characters in that book. I but, feel... And the thing is, is, like, out of the two of them, Matthias is still the stronger personality. Matameo mm-hmm. doesn't get much of a personality until the last third of the book. He goes from a spoiled brat to... Suddenly, I am a respectable, uh, you know, like, I have been traumatized, and now I am taking control. Um, <laughs> what is up with Brian and traumatizing teenagers? I mean, dem- <laughs> the demographic he's going for might, might be fair. part of it. That's fair. Um, and Redwall is very, like, middle of the road. Yeah. Uh, it's not a bad book. Starting with Redwall is not a bad thing to do, but it's... Suffers from first book syndrome. Where you have the the weirdness. It's so... There's a lot of elements of it that make a lot of things going forward kind of confusing. Uh, And there's a lot of stuff that just never comes up again. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like the horse. (laughs) Like the horse. Mentions of dogs. Mentions of sheep. The beaver I'm fine with. It could be that, like, beavers are just moving out of the area for whatever reason. Yeah. Who knows? But, like, they mention, like, farms and things that have to do with humans. But they Villages, don't necessarily, yeah. They don't necessarily mention humans specifically, but they get damn close to it. Because they also mention how, like, Clooney is a ship rat from Portugal. Like, we yeah. straight up get Portugal we- dropped. I think, don't they even mention, like, China at one point? Like, like I mean, China, was- like, the... Um- porcelain china yeah like porcelain china and we get a lot of like references to things like that and like in moss flower we don't get any of that in matameo we don't really get any of that and in mariel we get none of it it's mariel is definitely very well seated into the world yeah it's 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 like i said in one of the earlier podcasts it's like brian wasn't sure what he wanted this world to be with the first three books and then when he gets to Mariel, he's on a much more solid footing. It's like he yeah. went a little too hard into the fantasy and then kind of flinched a little and stepped back. Yeah. You know, like, how much of our world does he want in there? How much of his own world does he want it to be? And by making it into that, he, like you said, an Arthurian retelling, he's making it into that little toy box of a world where you can put the characters in and just go ham. You don't have to have a lot of logic or connections if you establish this little oddball world. You just, you need to establish some of the rules of the world, make it just consistent enough, and then go and let yourself run from there. Yeah. I'm excited to go forward from here because I remember Salamanderstrawn is one of my favorite books. I'm I remember excited it too. being really strong. It's uh, one that like... I've never read. Oh. Yeah. He, 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 he. Oh, we get 
It's just all badgers all the way down, baby. <laughs> badgers. It's time for badgers. But also, hares. Yeah, well. <laughs> they... I'll do my best to be nice. <laughs> I'm excited. This is one of my favorite books. So, And then after that is Martin. And Martin's backstory is really fucking good. Hey, if we get more Timbalisto, I'm down. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the boy who likes to destroy. Give us the boy who loves destruction. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else we want to say about these first four books? I do. I do kind of like how it's like the first four books all had mice. Let's see. When is the first like Salamandrastron is going to be the first one where we don't have a mouse as the main character, isn't it? Yes. So you have the four or at least establishing... not one of the main protagonists, yeah. I believe. I don't I... remember if there's a mouse in Salamander Show. There probably, excuse uh, me, there probably is. Oh, I'm sure there is. Somebody's got to rep Martin, even if it's Salamander Strong, You know, Martin's gonna poke his nose in there. Somewhere. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. No, I, I'm glad to see that. Like, I remember the reason I stopped reading the Redwall books in high school is that I started seeing the pattern that Brian used for the stories. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see that that pattern hasn't quite reared its head just yet. It does for a moment in Redwall where the pattern was is that you would have you'd have the initial setting in Redwall. You'd have the call to action where something was stolen or someone is killed in Redwall. And then you'd have the heroes who would go out after that something, either to retrieve it, recover it, or get revenge. And then... Later in the book, you would have an older character, like a, a like a parental older character or teacher parental character who would die. And then you'd have Martin show up and be like, hey, you got to go like, here's here's a dream. Go save this thing. Come on, hurry it up. Chop, chop, chop. Here's my sword. Um, and then, you know, there'd be the big <laughs> blowout finale fight. And that was that. Like I started seeing that pattern. Because yeah. I think I remember it was a book where, like, an old owl character dies in the Abbey. And I'm just like, oh, why do you have to kill him off? Yeah. And I was like, it's, oh, that's it's, the pattern. Yeah, it's weird because, like, the ones, especially the ones that are in, set in Redwall follow that pattern. But then there's the ones that aren't set in Redwall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those ones are always, like, I think the stronger books because, like, Brian branches away from that safe space. Yeah. Um. So I'm excited to get to those. Same. Very much so. Love this series. It's going to take us forever to finish it if it took hey, us a year a... to read four books. That's okay. We can do this as long as we want to. Nobody's this is paying... fair. Yeah. Nobody's paying us. Nobody's telling us what to do. We're doing this because we want to and we're having fun. Now, if yes, you want fun. to pay us... <laughs> yeah, if you want to pay us, we won't say no. <laughs> go, to our, uh, go to the Hearthside Enclave Coffee at coffee.com forward slash hs enclave coffee spelled k-o-f-i and you can help support us and support uh the hosting fees for the podcast as well as you know uh giving us caffeine well giving you caffeine i don't drink giving me caffeine giving kit uh bread fruit juice i make my own bread so you'd be buying my bread supplies yeah, you'd be buying kids' bread supplies. Yeah. Feed us, um. please, for the love of God. <laughs> this channel is supported by viewers like you. 
No, this we're supported by viewers like Ben who just make us the happiest fucking. Yes. Because Ben interacts with us. Yes, Ben and Pack Bats. Yeah. Ben, Pack Bats. Let me go. I'm scrolling up because we've had. Yeah. uh, It's mostly Ben, but that's because Ben is like home a lot. Yeah. (laughs) We had uh, this new person join recently, Hunter Slash, who's been uh, loading up some high res scans of book covers that I really like. Uh. Oh, yeah, Kai. There's also Kai. Basically, this is a call out to all the cool folks who hang out with us on the Discord. Yeah. I'm scrolling. It's mostly Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Which isn't a bad thing. This is not a bad thing. We care about Ben a lot. He's been very helpful and Mm -hmm. very lovely. Uh... Also, a little, like, Oh, Euro Sammy. Yeah. Or Eurosa Amy. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce your username and I'm I apologize. Uh and but Kai also the good. It's Yeah, Kai the Mad. I already said Kai. Oh, sorry. Uh Punky Pirate, Punky I think. Pirate. What are you? I'm a punky there's, pirate. There's there's quite a few a lot of the more recent people in our server lately have been here for uh, Abbey Archives, and it's honestly, it's been fan fucking tastic mm-hmm. to to know that like what we're doing brings people joy. Mm-hmm. I know that Re Redwall listens to some of our episodes every so often. Oh, uh, and as well as Recorders on the Wall. Eee, hi guys. Yeah, hi guys. Uh, they're fantastic people. You should, if you listen to us and don't listen to those two podcasts, you should also go listen to them. Because they um, were here first. <laughs> they were, in fact, here first. I believe Re Redwall was first first. Don't quote me on that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I um, know. But they were here before us, and they helped, like, like, pave the way for this. Like, we're, Redwall's not like Animorphs, where there's a billion podcasts about the Animorphs, or, God forbid, Harry Potter, where there's a billion podcasts about Harry Potter, and the only one I would recommend you listen to is Shrieking Shack because they are willing to rip into it and point yes. out all the bullshit. Yeah, and by the end of it, they're like, yeah, no, don't, don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just don't. Literally, their tagline is, please read another book. <laughs> you should read another book. Read the Percy Jackson series if you're going to read another book but want the, like, chosen one vibe. Well, read that, the Percy Jackson series. That's this could good. be a good segue into the next part of this episode, where we're going to talk about two book series we liked as kids and would probably still enjoy reading as adults. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me? Uh, you go ahead and go first. You've got your All book right. ready to go, yeah? I do have my book ready to go. Okay. So it's actually not a book series. This is a book that I bought at a Scholastic Book Fair in middle school. Uh, I bought it because the cover looked like a kind of like a Goosebumps book. Ooh. Um, the book is called How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found by Sarah Nickerson. Ooh. And I bought this book. This this copy that I have in my hand is the book I, I bought at the Scholastic Book Fair. And it has the little stamp on it from when you buy it at the Scholastic Book Fair where they just do a little stamp. Oh, oh no, I think I got this in elementary school, actually. Um, but because it's very yellowed. It's old. This book is... Let me read the the back. Uh, Most stories start at the beginning, but I can't really say I know where that is. 
Is it a falling down uh, mansion on a small island in the Pacific Northwest, or in the navy blue pickup truck making its way to that mansion? Does it start on a sunny day this year, or on a sunny day 20 years before? Is it with me, or with a young boy who, a long, long time ago, believed he was turning into a rat? I guess oh. the only thing I really do know is where it started for me. In that navy blue pickup, heading toward a place I didn't even know existed. A place that had already changed my life. And this book is about a young boy and his mom, who... Um, one of their relatives died and left this really old, like, beach house in the Pacific Northwest to the mom. Ooh. And it is full of stuff. It, this is like a hoarding situation almost, oh. but, like, not as filthy. Like, there's not food trash. It's just stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's packed with it. Uh, like, things that, like, like old newspapers, old books books like just bits and bobs and ends there's a bunch of like broken down bikes in the back like just in varying like stages of in pieces things like that um and this boy is bored out of his mind Naturally. here because there's like one other kid in town and uh, she's a girl uh and this is what, not... what you say the 80s or the I, I honestly I don't remember the time period that this is set in. I think it's the nineties. Okay. Um I either way. Uh full disclosure, I did not reread this beforehand. Uh <laughs> I have read it in the past few years because I wanted to read it. And when I was a kid reading this, I did not quite understand the plot. As an adult rereading this, I was like, Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is a kid's book. <laughs> it's one of those fly under the radar kids' books and it's I love this book. The the so the kid goes to like the local library and there's apparently this comic that every week gets dropped off at the library. It is single copy, hand done. Oh. Hand hand drawn, hand inked, hand bound, dropped off at the library and they've been getting these comics for almost 20 years. Oh. There's a massive backlog of them, and this kid starts just tearing through them, and he realizes that the people in the comics are his relatives. Oh. The person who wrote the comics is his uncle. Oh, um, no. And the, the base, basic gist of it is he's trying to solve a mystery uh -huh. of what happened to his other uncle. Oh. Uh-huh. And the comics go into, there was a boy who thought he was turning into a rat. He had a brother who was very good at swimming, almost like a fish. Uh, and the comics go through that, and the cult, the like ending culmination of this is like learning that uh, the other brother drowned. Oh, no. Uh, but the comics put it as he turned into a fish. Like, he grew gills and didn't come back. Oh. Uh, and everybody thought that the rat uncle was dead, but he is... And it, it's not... It's not a secret in the book. Like, it happens. Like, you figure it out pretty quickly. Like, he's living in the house. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, don't like yeah, that. Yeah, and... No, he's actually, like, very kind. He's just oh, okay. exceedingly anxious and shy. I okay. love this book because it comes off as being, like, a horror novel 
to start off with. Like, mm-hmm. you get that vibe that it's, like, a, a horror book, that this is going to be, like, horrifying, or this is going to be, like, a Nancy Drew mystery or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it ends up being the reconnection of family and uncovering generational trauma and family secrets and Ah. bringing them to the light so that people can reconcile with what happened and start to move on properly because like his mom had not moved on properly okay yeah she did not want to be there yes okay she did not want to be there whatsoever Uh, and the book sorry the book the book is interspersed actually with the comics. Oh, so you actually get to see the comics. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, the book is interspersed with some of the comics. Not all of them, but some of them. The first one that pops up is the comic called What Happened When They Got Caught, and it's about some kids who broke into the house and, like, trashed stuff and took stuff, and the rats in the house attacking them and oh. driving them into the water. Until they let go of the stuff that they took. Oh. And then the rats take the stuff and take it back to the house. Oh. And it just... It's... I fucking adore this book. And I do recommend it as, like, a good read. Um, it's... Hold on, I'm figuring out how many pages long it is. <laughs> uh, 281 pages long in my copy. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, the copy that exists now may be different than this one. This is very old. Yeah. Um, like, this book was... When was this book originally published? In 2002. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's old. Um, like, old. This thing is, like, 20 years old. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when I was a kid reading this, like, I didn't understand exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took some of the, like, comic book, like, allegory at face value mm-hmm. because I was a kid. I was, like, right, very yeah. young and I didn't quite get the nuance of this. I was reading at a much higher grade level, which is how I got my hands on books like this mm-hmm. when I was younger. And this is definitely a book that I probably should have gotten my hands on in, like, sixth grade and not third grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But hey, when you're an advanced reader, they'll throw anything at you. Yeah, honestly. My AR scores were amazing. Um, do they still do that? I don't... I think so, but I think with AR points, now there's, like, you can get stuff from the schools. Yes, AR points do still exist. Sorry, I had to remember because I used to teach, and I would see AR points, and I'd be like, oh, God, that still exists. Okay. But they have, like, a lot of it is now tied to, like, a school store, so, like, the Mm. encouragement is, like, you spend your AR points to get, like, little toys. Okay, you know what? That's the kid still gets a reward that way. I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. Yeah, it's rewarding without feeling like you've got to be the best. It makes yeah. it less of a competition and more of a well. If you want to be able to get some of the things that are here, yeah. you have to read the books. You have to take the tests. Still mad I only uh, got third place at my school. Third place. I got first place. I got a Borders <laughs> gift card. 
I got taken I got a to, pizza party. We got taken to Golden Corral, which got <laughs> shut down the next year for health violations. <laughs> we got to go to Stevie B's Pizza, which <laughs> only makes sense to people who live in one specific city. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, no, it's I should reread this book again. I haven't read it in a few years. Um, it'll be a fast read. Again, it's only yeah. like all, barely 300 pages. And it's probably like bigger font too. Since it's, Oh yeah, you know, it is bigger font. Um, it's like Animorph size font. Okay, that's not, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's like Animorph size font, but this is definitely like the... More like reading one of the Chronicles. Okay, yeah. The, or of like megamorphs than one of the regular books because yeah. it's like more pages there's more chapters more sustenance to it yeah like what is the last chapter there's 56 chapters all right not all the chapters are very long but you know um the cover art for this book is amazing like this copy that i've got it mm-hmm. ha- shows um two like it's two hands holding a comic book called How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found Mm -hmm. that has, like, a drawing of the beach house on it. Mm -hmm. It's being held in the hands of, like, looking at this, you don't know who it is, but you're like, that is some kind of, like, monster because they've got, like, long, like, sharp fingernails. Oh, it's the the uncle. Yeah, it's the uncle. There's, like, hair all over the hands, like, and, like, the the joints are all kind of knobbly. And, like, in the background behind this is two kids running away from the house on a moonlit night. Oh. Towards the beach. Okay. This, like, seeing this as a kid, I was like, this cover is amazing. Yeah. And so I got this book. I do not remember how much it fucking cost. Hold on. Does it say on the back? It might not be. It was in two. (laughs) When I got it at the Scholastic Book Fair. It was four ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, so it would be more like eight or ten dollars today. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, inflation. Yeah, I don't actually know if this book is still in print. Let me do some quick googling. Probably not. It's funny that like the way you described it reminds me of a game that I played earlier this year called um, "What's Left of Edith Finch," where. I, I don't recommend playing this game, and I feel bad for saying that because my best friend loves it, or one of my best friends, but my best friend loves this game, and she'd wanted me to play it for years, so I finally played it this year, and it's just like, at first, a couple things, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of fun, but the further I got into it, the more I'm like, oh, I don't like this. This is just depressing, because the story is being told, you're following a journal of Edith who is Mm -hmm. part of the Finch family, and the Finch family is cursed. Where the the mom, the dad, and I think like a daughter, moved to America. Well, the dad brought the house. Like, they just uprooted their entire house and were sailing it across the ocean to America. And as the cliffs of, I think they're like in Oregon, are in sight, the house sinks in a storm. And during low tide, you can still see the remains of the house out in the bay. And during some nights when the tide is really low, you could even walk out to it. And the story is how all the members of the family have had untimely and sometimes rather cruel deaths. And some, some they're like, oh, some of these are clearly meant to be funny. Other ones are not. And like, but the whole atmosphere of like, it's, you're walking through 
this ancient house that has been built upon and added to like um just you know like the winchester mystery house kind of vibes and mm-hmm. it's you get just glimpses into this family of like all the trauma this family has faced and how like Edith is back there because her mom had left because the mom had hoped like if we leave the house maybe my family's going to be okay because the mom had already lost one kid and didn't want to lose the other ones that she had and then you learn at the end of the game that uh, Edith had died too in the end oh boy and it's just like this this is depressing this sucks like, it's a very well-put-together game. It's very pretty in its own way, and some of the some of the stories are very funny, but other ones are just, like, really sad. Like, the one that messed me up the most, um, trigger warning for uh, infant harm and infant death, but you play through, like, the, the gimmick of the game is you play through each person dying in a stylized, like, the style of the game changes for each person's death. Like, the first one is a kid on a swing, and he swings so much that he launches himself over a cliff. Another one... Jesus. Another one is a little girl who was sent to bed without dinner, and she got hungry, so she just started eating what she could find in her room, including an entire tube of toothpaste and some red berries that were set out for decoration. Oh, Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. And then she has a nightmare about turning into a monster and that the monster was going to eat her next, where it's implied that she died from poisoning herself from eating what was in her room. Another one is about, like, a baby who was just playing in a bathtub and the kid, like, got lost in his own daydreams. Like, a little baby got lost in his own daydreams and drowned in the tub. It's like, this isn't funny. I'm not having fun. This This game sucks. So uh, I found the the book is still in print. You can still oh. get it. Uh, I misremembered the uh, main character. The main character is the girl. Okay. No, but I see uh, her what name you mean is... about like the Goosebumps vibe of the cover. Yeah, and I loved Goosebumps as a kid. I still love yeah. Goosebumps. That's I... another series that I recommend. Like the the stories don't hold up as like an adult, but they're fun. I have they're goofy. Different. I had conflicting feelings about them as a kid. I wasn't <laughs> fond of them. I fucking love them. Um, this book apparently has won a bunch of awards. Mm. Um, Bedford Sh- uh, Bedfordshire Children's Book of the Year Award nominee, Texas Lone Star Reading List, Rhode Island Children's Book Award Master List, Colorado's Blue Spruce Book Mas- Award Master List, Golden Sour Award Nebraska Master List, <laughs> Oklahoma Sequoia Book Award Master List, Book Sense 76 pick, ALA Popular Paperbacks for Young Adults, winner of the Tatula Literary Prize in France, and from the Scholastic Book Club selection. Of course. Uh, And. I miss miss Scholastic Book Fairs. Yeah, it's got almost a 4 out of 5 rating on Goodreads. Wow. Uh, 3.95. Wow. Yeah, and about Sarah Nickerson, this was apparently her first book. Wow. She began her writing career in television and film. This book was originally a screenplay, which explains a lot of how it's written. Uh, She also has written two other middle grade novels, The Secrets of Blueberries, Brothers Moose and Me, and Last Meeting of the Gorilla Club. 
other books <laughs> has she amazing. read? Hold on, I want to look. What other books has she written? Hold on. A book entirely in French. Bonjour. A book called Martin the Cava Bean. And a book <laughs> called Peter Parrot Private Eye Here's Looking at You. Which both of those were published in 1998. Ah. Last meeting of the Gorilla Club was 2019. The Secrets of Blueberries Brothers Moose and Me was 2015. Wow. And according to Goodreads, How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found was published in 2002. So. Okay. It has 14 editions? What the fuck? Is it like translations or no it's by different publishers okay there's one by harper trophy the one by scholastic there's two different ones by harper collins uh, uh which all have the same cover there's a few different covers from like egmont pme uh one that's in spanish one that's in i don't know what language that is uh, another one by scholastic that has the like scholastic uh, logo on it, whereas the one I have doesn't have the red logo at the bottom. Uh-huh. One in Portuguese, the hardcover version from Turtleback Books, uh, a hardcover from Perfection Learning, and another hardcover from Turtleback. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, apparently this book still does good numbies. Good enough uh, to be kept around. Yeah, and you can find it on. Uh, like her website, which is one of the places that I actually looked, which is where I pulled that image from that I showed you. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got an Amazon affiliate link and a one from IndieBound. Uh, I, but you can also get it on thriftbooks.com. You know, like thrift, oh, yeah. like online thrift stores and stuff. I, I can't really cheap. I can't recommend thrift books enough, people, because like they don't just sell old books; they sell new books too. And I was mm-hmm. able to buy, like, there's this really cute little comic I'm reading called Moonstruck. And it's about... Oh, yeah, I know yeah. Moonstruck. Yeah. It's and, really good. And I just got, like, the third... No, third and fourth volume? Uh, no, I'm sorry. The second and the third. The fourth volume doesn't come out until later this year. But, like, I got it brand new from Moonstruck. And I would have gotten an omnibus for an older manga that I really liked. I pre-ordered it. And they're like, oh, sorry, their backlog took too long. And I'm just like, but I pre-ordered it. What the fuck? So I'm just, like, stalking the website. Give me the old manga, please. It's a new omnibus print. Give it to me, please. But, yeah. Yeah. So this this, this book is very good. Uh, I'm flipping through it, and as I'm flipping through it, I was like, ah, this was when I was still dog-earing my books. Mm -hmm. Because I can see the, like, lines on some of the pages where I dog-eared. I love you, Um, Izzy, but I'm going to fight younger you. Oh, I I... When I was much, much younger, like, I didn't realize it was bad a lot of my books were much more disposable back then because that, you know they yeah. get beat to shit and back that's fair you know? that's a good and point once i transitioned into i think fourth and fifth grade i started properly using bookmarks i used to have you know the very the the ones that make the fun noise when you wibble them yeah uh plastic <laughs> bookmarks which i still have some uh, and then in, like, middle and high school, and even now, it's, like, whatever fucking piece of paper I can find. I have two specific bookmarks I use, and they're both from bookstores I can't go to anymore, so they're very precious to me. 
my bookmark for the Redwall books is a uh, Shelgon Pokemon card. For for anyone in Clovis, California, if you ever happen to be in Old Town Clovis, go see if the book barn is still open. It's down further, closer to Shaw. The sh- it's like the it's the um, northern end of Old Town, uh, but it's a two-story old bookstore. Um, that has really good selections. Like I'd find some out of print books there that if that at the time when I looked online would have been like 30 or $40 to order used Cause they were out of prints and I'd get them for like $5. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Yeah. If you um, live in my old hometown, uh, Augusta, Georgia, uh, go to the book tavern. If they don't have it, they'll find it. Mm-hmm. They're fucking great. Uh, they're literally also right across from a cafe um, which has oh, the best smoothies. Yeah. And if you live in my current town of Huntsville, Alabama, go to Booklegger. <laughs> like, the, the the guy who runs it, like, doesn't necessarily look the most approachable because he's an old man. But he is <laughs> a sweetheart. He will try and find a book. If it's not out on the shelves, he'll check to see if it's in the back. Um, he, that's how I ended up with multiple copies of the Horkbashir Chronicles. Oh, <laughs> One in paperback, one in hardback. It was he went and he found the hardback version in the back and like flagged me down before I left and was like, do you also want this one? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) They're lovely. Um, But yeah, check used bookstores for this kind of stuff. Please, for the love of God, don't use Amazon. No, there are Um, so many other options out there. There are so many other options. You can even look at eBay. Yeah. And find books. Uh, There was a listing that popped up when I Googled this one. That was just for like a dollar forty nine. Now I don't know what uh, a condition it's in, but you know, if if you're willing to take a risk for like a cheap book or like lots of books, mm-hmm. it's a way to do it. Not to um, mention, there's just something fun about like going into a used bookstore and just hunting, just like seeing yes. what you can find. Yeah. And again, me like debating on if it's worth dumping like twenty Dresden books on the poor. Like we have one used bookstore up in Sheridan. And I love the lady who works there. And I'm just like, could I, like, I wouldn't feel guilty. Like, I could tell her, like, okay, I'm going to dump these 20 books on you. Just and let me pick out, like, maybe five books for trade. Is that acceptable? <laughs> it, it'll you depend. might be able to get um, store credit. Yeah, she does that. I haven't signed up for it because, like, I'll only actually, like, buy stuff from her two or three times a year. But at this point, it's like nobody on the upcycle is biting. So it's like, I want these books out of here. I'm just going to take them up there probably next weekend and do it. Yeah, I have a couple of books that I need to take to Booklegger and see if I can't get anything for. Mm-hmm. Um... I, I had a serious debate the other day where I just got, like I said, I just got a new bookshelf. So I was going through a bunch of my books, packing some away, saving other ones. And one of the ones I pulled out was, it was the, um, do you remember when they had that Harry Potter exhibition at like the British Museum or whatever it was? Like the really Fucking no. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like, it was like six or seven. Like, I think I got this before I moved to Wyoming. Um, mm-hmm. But it was like all about like, oh, some of the, the influence, like some of the inspirations behind the magic in the books. And like when I bought the book, you know, Harry Potter was still okay. Rowling hadn't come out as a turf yet. Um mm-hmm. So, like, I pull this book out. It's, like, it's in nearly spotless condition. I'm, like, do I dump it in the thrift store, find, or do I burn it? It's, like, you know what? I'm just going to dump it in the thrift store. I can't. So, yeah, it's it's going to the thrift store. It's gone. 
It's like sometimes you find books where you're just like, do I, do I burn it? What do I do? Because <laughs> some books, you just, eh. Yeah. Oh, well. But yes, so How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found, which is the whole title. I adore this book. This used to be the book that I would tell people was my favorite book. Uh, it's not my favorite book anymore. It, but it's definitely still on my list. Like when, when I think it was you or me who suggested we talk about like other children's books that we liked. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first one to come to mind for me, besides like the <laughs> Inkheart series, uh-huh. which is a beast of a series if you're gonna get into that one. Mm-hmm. But it's a trilogy. But it's they're thick. Um, but this this is even as an adult like this is a good like surreal almost Twilight Zoney mm-hmm. type of thing to read. Like it definitely feels kind of like an episode of the twilight zone it's like before the young adult genre really got established in like i'd say the 2000s like it was starting in the 90s but it really got a foothold in the 2000s yeah it's and like this before before it's then a- you had this little this little window of time where you'd have these books that were like clearly not written for like little kids but weren't quite middle written. grade yeah that were just allowed to be really quite yeah. terrifying yeah, honestly, like uh, the there's a really good um, video on like the shift in young adult novels to really bringing that like young adult genre to the forefront when it came to the dystopian novel books by Sarah Zed uh, or Sarah Z on t- uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good like uh, analysis video on like this this uh this phenomena that basically happened that made the young adult genre what it is today and how like middle grade type books are not always categorized as such uh and people kind of forget them yeah uh they definitely they make that jump from like elementary grade to high school grade pretty quickly whereas there's just this whole section of middle grade aged books that are absolutely buck wild because they're mm-hmm. transitioning into that teenagers want to read more serious books but middle schoolers still want like that that surreal fantasy yeah. that a lot of like kids books go for and, and it's good like they're good books there's a lot of them that are just like really like un like just unfiltered Fuck, eeriness yeah, no, that's not the word I was looking for, but yes, that. Um, underappreciated. Mm. They're just underappreciated as, like, book series. Like, the Redwall series. Yeah. Was originally published, I think, by Brian to be more middle grade. Yeah. I would not classify it as middle grade now. Uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'd say they would definitely fall more towards, like, either... It's like on the cusp of middle and high school. It is, yeah. Because they're, they're big enough that I would not call them, like, grade school. But I wouldn't no. really lump them into adult fantasy. It's like they're just a yeah. rung below adult fantasy. I'd say they're a step above, like, adult fiction, but a rung below. It's that weird middle ground they're, where both they're really not, enjoy They're it. not young adult. No. They're not high school. But they're not, they're a little bit too advanced for middle school yeah. in the content. So that's just that kind of cusp of coming into the young adult age. I'd, I'd kind of, where... 
I'd place it like in the same category as something like Artemis Fowl. Because like I know a lot yes. of people say like they're like, oh, Artemis Fowl is young adult, but it's like if you actually read Artemis Fowl, it's like <laughs> I'd say this is definitely more than like just young adult. You know, I need to reread Artemis Fowl. Only up to certain, like, I think I read the first two novels, and I can't remember if I read the third one or not. Because Marley. The th- Marley's in my room. Marley! Hi, Hi buddy. Marley. Are you trapped? What did he do? Oh, he was sleeping on my bed, but now he's laying by my door, murping at me. <laughs> he's like, what? parental, parental, I wish to be free. Yeah, I'll let him out. I'll be right back. Parental, release me. Meow. <laughs> what, buddy? What? Oh, my goodness. You want freedom? You want freedom? You want to be free? No. Further proof the human propensity to raise our voice as we get closer to the felines. I am not editing anything out of this episode, so all <laughs> bloopers are staying. Oh, no. Watch out, guys. You are getting our unfiltered ramblings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to edit some things out because there's yeah. some things that just get straight up deleted. Yeah. But, like, I'm not editing that No. Out. I think that will just amuse people. Because, like we already said, this is an experimental by the seat of our pants episode. So mm-hmm. they know what they're getting into. Um, we need to have episodes every so often where we just fucking dick around. Yeah. Just... We are letting our brains relax for a little bit. That mm-hmm. way we can jump into Salamandastron feeling a little refreshed. And I'm going to try and I finish. don't want to do, I don't want to do critical media analysis on this book that I loved as a child. Exactly. <laughs> I will do critical media analysis on the other books that yes. I loved as a child. But this one, no, this one is safe. <laughs> for and, now. <laughs> and I'm going to try and finish the book I'm reading right now before we get to Salamandastron called Kill the Farm Boy. Um, Ooh. Which is from the same author who did the book, The Princess Beard, which I think I told you about The Princess Beard. Maybe, but right. we should not get into another tangent okay. about other things. No, it's okay. So, Kit, what what uh, books, what book or book series you are you bringing to the table so, today? I actually, I brought that up because I was going, I, I misread the assignment. I was actually going to talk about The Princess Beard and Kill the Farm Boy, but instead, since those are... Very much not young adult books. Those are meant to be uh, for adult readers who have read fantasy and play Dungeons and Dragons and are nerds. Um, we can change it up for the next time we do this. Exactly. But... So we're we're gonna make those. We're gonna put a bookmark in those, and I'm gonna talk about the Guardians of Gahul. Hell yeah! Where those books are great. The Guardians of Gahul is a book series about a young owl named Soren, or at least like the first six of them are. A young owl named Soren, who has been raised on legends of the brave guardians of Gahul, great owls who live in an ancient tree on the edge of the ocean and fly about keeping peace and doing good deeds. They hold much of the knowledge of the world, including the knowledge of smithing, reading weather, and other general things. And he has a older brother named Clud and a younger sister named, oh shoot, is the sister Gilfie? Uh, no, Gilfie is the. I don't remember. Anyway, any younger is it sister. The, is it the 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 snake, the blind worm? No, that's um, Miss Pennyweather. Oh, I should have checked the names before I did this. In my defense, <laughs> to be guys, fair, I mis- misremembered the protagonist of my book as a boy. We're gonna we haven't. It. Is it obvious we haven't read these books in a while? <laughs> 
just give me a moment, please. I will double check because it has been a hot minute. Okay. Um, and again, oh yes. Okay, no, I was wrong. Gilfie is not his sister. Gilfie is the uh, elf owl. Um, but yeah, he has a younger sister as well. Um, but his older, they're all barn owls. This does come into relevance later in the series. But the story kicks off when he is starting to learn to fledge and all of a sudden falls from the nest. He is picked up by a pair of brutish owls who take him to a place called St. Aggie's, the St. Agulus Academy for Orphaned Owls, where he is then forced to pick pellets, pick metal bits from pellets and do other unsavory, very un-owl-like things. And he meets Gilfie there, who is a young dwarf owl, not dwarf owl, elf owl. She is an elf owl. And the two of them formulate a plan to escape. They do manage to escape and start making their way towards where they think Gahul is. Along the way, they pick up Twilight and Digger. Twilight is a big, great, a great horned owl. And Digger is a burrowing owl. Twilight's a bard, kind of a big bombastic, like he likes to fight. He likes to do stuff and be active. Um, and Digger is kind of, he's a deep thinker. He's an owl who lives in the ground. He's different from the others. He thinks about things in a way the others don't. And they all together, they pick up um, Mrs. Plithiver. Let's see where, I don't think I have her name on here. She's important. How dare you? <laughs> um, but, oh, she's a smart movie. Plithiver, she's not an owl. Come on. But they manage to pick her up as they are headed towards the tree. You know, shenanigans happen, but they get to the tree. But I do recommend this book series because it's one of those book series that really, like, respects the kids they're writing for. They don't shy away from some brutal stuff. It's... Yeah. It's, oh my god. I wouldn't say it's quite at the level of... Animorphs, or even... It's definitely very Warrior Cats, yeah. but I think it's more well-written. Oh, way better written than Warrior Cats. For one thing, they don't use as many, as many made-up words. Like, there's a few made-up words and so on. Um, it also only has one author, I'm exactly. fairly sure. Instead of, what, five? <laughs> I was, warrior Cats is a mess. I was not it's a, warrior, a mess. I was not a Warrior Cats kid because, like, I remember reading the first book and thinking, well, this is garbage. I'm going back to my owls. <laughs> Animorphs and Gahul had already ruined me. Like, by the time I read those two and picked up, like, guard, like the Warrior Cats, it was just like, I'm already, like, too, I, like, I've read too high above this level. I can't read this now. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound like a snob. That's literally what happened. I read those other two series and was just like, no, I'm okay. Um, I read the very first Warrior Cats book and was not very impressed yeah. with it. So I didn't read anymore. Also, it was the only one in my library I had. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly because all the other ones were checked out. Mm -hmm. I wasn't specifically looking for Warrior Cats. I was just like, oh, this, this, mm -hmm. this book's got a cat on the cover. I'm gonna gonna uh, uh read it and then i read it i was like okay 
Um, but throughout... This is how I read many books. Throughout the books, like, you get to see the characters go from, like, scared kids who don't know what they're doing to, like, learning and, um... All right, so you suggested the Percy Jackson books for the Chosen One vibes. Guardians of Gahul gives a really good itch of, like, you want to be sorted into a place where you belong and you want to be taught. This happens in the Gar in the Gahul books as well, but they're, they're given a little more flexibility. Like, you are put into a track, basically. You are chosen to go and do a job or specialize in certain things. Like, there's weather reading. There's, um learning how to weave, how to cook. Like you, you learn all kinds of stuff that will be helpful to other owls and to help protect people. And mm -hmm. Soren ends up getting like sorted into the um, kind of the fire brigade. The brigade he gets put into is like a jack of all trades. They learn how to read weather and fly, but their main jobs is to dive into forests right after or during forest fires to grab coals to keep the forges at the tree going. They literally just dive into fire and capture coals. And, you know, again, it scratches that itch of like, you're finding the place where you belong and you're learning about the world around you. But it also kind of points out the fact that like, hey, even if you get like into this prestigious, like, position it doesn't mean you're better than anyone else because every part of the tree needs to work for the tree to stay alive and it is another one of those series that has like a nazi allegory later on in the series with the pure ones god um but they they definitely play this better than other series do because like there's no good guys in the pure ones and you learn about how their message is like so seductive and how it can like hypnotize it, it basically it's like their lies are easy to fall for and it shows how it's like you know if you don't pay attention it's easy to get caught in that but once you get realize what's happening you have to get out but they also start playing with the fact of like but if your parents went down that path does that mean you're doomed to do it as well because we learn that later on in the series we learn Soren has a nephew who was born to the pure ones and decides you know what fuck you and takes off he doesn't want to be their leader. He doesn't want to be their pure one. He wants to go and do his own thing. It's just, it's, a, it's again, it's one of those children's books that lets it play with like some really serious themes. Like when is it hereditary? When is your attitude and behavior hereditary? And when is it a choice? Good. It's a good discussion of like nature versus nurture that like other books don't do. Brian! Or do, don't do well. Brian! <laughs> it's literally that um, case. Not that Guardians of Gahul did it, like, the best. Because uh, yeah. it is still, like, a children's book. And there's a lot of nuance that gets lost mm -hmm. there. But... Because, like, I mean, like, literally... I read, like... So, I haven't read the whole series. I've read, like... Four or five books. Maybe six of them. It was, like, amongst, like, the first few published, basically. Yeah. And, of course, I've seen the movie. Yeah. Who hasn't seen the fucking movie? That movie is still very well animated. Oh, God. I need to sit down and watch it. I remember, I remember seeing that movie in theaters, 
getting the scene where Same. they are flying through the storm and losing yeah. my yeah. mind. Yeah. Like I'm in, yeah. I'm in the theater trying not to yell at my poor mother who's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm just like, do you understand how amazing this animation is? The feathers, the details, the water, the lightning. Just, oh man. It was so good. I can't get over it. And the fact that also like, they got Owl City to do the music. How could you not love that? <laughs> they did? Oh Owl, my God. Well, Owl City did some of the soundtrack. They, like, That's it's like awesome. Some of the songs are from him. And like the end song is definitely from him. But um, I did not know that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But they're like, okay, to go back to the nature versus nurture thing. Um, it also shows that sometimes you could have the best parents in the world and still be an asshole. Because, you know, Clud, Clud ends up being the big bad for, for later in the series. And... It's not by any fault of the parents either. In fact, I think it confirms that Clud went back and killed their parents because he hated them. He was like, they were always such goody two shoes. And, you know, Soren's like, you, you what? Our parents? What? You know? So it, it shows that, like, sometimes being good is a choice. Sometimes being bad is also a choice, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember them talking about, like, if for you know like when humans say they feel it in their gut or like oh you've got a weak gut you got a weak constitution for the owls it was like oh they yeah. got a bad gizzard like they felt it in their <laughs> gizzard like and like sometimes if like an owl was mean or nasty they'd say oh they've got a weak gizzard you know i remember that too as a kid just thinking like huh that's interesting it's it is a very enjoyable series. It's another one of those series that it's fairly easy to find used or used bookstores because so oh, many yeah. were made. Were made. Um, I will say that later in the series, they get more into the more esoteric um, magic stuff. Like there's literally a, a witch creature, which is a crossbreed of an owl and a raven. They're literally witches. There's literally magic that, that later is... in the book series super not possible it it is not possible but it is in this series because they just straight up go we're doing magic now i think the one thing i was always disappointed in was the fact that they never acknowledged like there's like in the first few books they talk about how oh yeah we're called barn owls but what's a barn you know and then they come across a church and, like, they're hanging around. They're just like, what is this thing? Who made this? And they're like, oh, the others made this. The who? The others. They're not here anymore. What happened to them? We don't know. They built these things and then disappeared. It's just like, there's a story there. I want to hear that story. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, like people built these things. Like, I think that's the reason that Redwall lets me down so much is because, like, even just, like, even just those little tiny hints those little tiny glimmers that they give us of like an abandoned church an abandoned barn uh carvings like things that said humans used to be here in fact i think there's even like an owl who uses an old human forge like he's a hermit um but it's like just these hints that humans were here but they're not anymore is enough of a world building thing for me to accept other oddities in the series. Like, of course, barn owls are still called barn owls because it's a holdover from humans were there. You know, if Redwall had established that humans used to be there but aren't anymore, it would be so much easier to accept certain things. Like, still having, like, we still use words in our modern language that are no longer really 
applicable to our culture because of their their remnants. Um, I can't remember the exact name for the words like that, but they were important enough that they are stuck. They're like fossils. They're remnants of what was that still sculpt what is. And, you know, series like Gahul are good on building on that. Whew! <laughs> Went off a little bit there. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, yeah. Guardians of Gahul, like, there's, there's stuff that a lot of different series do right that Redwall doesn't do well. Yeah. And definitely, like, the, the being grounded in the world thing is something that Red, the Redwall series kind of is very hit or miss on when it comes to, like, history again, that hasn't already been explored in the novels. Again, it's like, it's 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 linking it more to an Arthurian myth where you're just expected to, like, if you're in the context of the culture where the myth has been created, of course you know these things. But then in yeah. later generations where that myth is no longer as prevalent, you're going to lose people. Like there's a lot of things in mythology that makes us go, huh? Because we don't have the context that the myth was made for. You know, I mean, look at all the different Greek interpretations of singular Greek myths out there and how they've changed and adapted. Because like people argue over like, well, what's the correct version of the, of the Medusa myth? And it's like, all of them are correct. All of them are important because each one was important at the time they were told as the values and customs of the place they were told in changes. In some, you know, in some, Medusa was never human to begin with. She was born a Gorgon, born a monster. In others, she was a priestess. And in the priestess variant, some, she was, you know, unwillingly taken by Poseidon. In others, she willingly seduced him. In some, turning into a Gorgon was a protection. In some, turning into a Gorgon was a punishment. You have all these different myths and mythologies that connect into it and change as, you know, time goes by. And, you know, it's that's a hard thing to explore. That's a hard thing to explain. Yeah. All right. If we want to talk about something topical, um, I've been watching. I have been feeling a lot of pit, uh, sympathy for my Lord of the Rings fans to help date this podcast. Oh. Because Amazon God. just shat out its terrible adaptation. It's like, apparently they didn't even have the rights to the Cimmerillion. They just wanted to throw that on there to lure in the Lord of the Rings Yeah, fans. they just got the... No, it wasn't even... Uh, let me see. Hold on, hold on. Richard was talking about it just a minute ago. Uh, in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they don't have the rights to it. They only have the rights to the appendices to Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. So they're using the appendices, which is like, dubiously canon. Yeah. Like, more dubiously canon than the Silmarillion. Yeah. And it's just... And also, like, Amazon, first of all, was mistreating the the, the workers when they were first shooting in New they Zealand. They had to leave New Zealand. Like, that They had to leave New Zealand. Uh, moved the filming to the UK, where labor laws are a lot more lax. Uh, as well as, like, worker safety laws. Yeah. Because uh, in New Zealand, it's like... No, if something happens, you have to report it. They were underpaying the stunt actors, not letting them report things, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. They wasted money moving production and filming mm -hmm. to a different country. And it's just bad. And Amazon is like, Amazon has a history of buying the rights to properties and never releasing them, mm -hmm. even if they're not going to do anything with them. Because if I can't and have also, it, you can't have yeah. it either. Also, it's Amazon and... Uh, uh, yeah, and fucking 
Mr. Muskrat <laughs> is a awful, horrible human being uh, with more money than any one person should ever have. Uh, fuck Amazon. And this is why our podcast isn't on Amazon, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I accidentally sent the RSS feed to it for Hope's Hearth, and I can't figure out how to turn it off. Oh. Uh, I think I would have to, like, claim it on, like, my Amazon account and then fizz- like, go in and delete it. And I'm like, I'm too tired. We've smack-talked Amazon over there, so they've probably removed uh, us. Like how- if they haven't, they will. <laughs> how dare you? insult our, yeah, if, our great and glorious overlord. yeah if you smack tuck amazon and like they find out they will remove your podcast from their app it's not censorship what are you worried about but they're a private company who keeps it I, i'm tired <laughs> um but yeah the, don't watch that yeah. uh also uh, we all know Warner Brothers and Discovery just did some fuck shit. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. So I need everybody to remember how to be a pirate. And remember, the lost media is lost because nobody saved it and it was deleted forever. Mm-hmm. Do we want some of these things to become lost media? No, we don't. <laughs> some things, yes. Other things, no. <laughs> Yeah, like apparently the the creator, like the people who worked on OKKO, like everything was gone. God, they didn't have access to any of it. Like I think somebody originally misreported it as deleted, but they just lost access yeah. to the drive folders yeah. it was all on. They they blocked because them. Warner like they still own the rights to the shows. Yeah. Although so I I do follow someone who is in the industry right now, and she explained that it's not. It is, it is a set precedent that you as a creator will lose access to things after you're done on the show. It's, the, it's part of the copyright. It's part of your contract when you sign on to the show. And she said, it sucks. And, you know, I'm glad that all this is coming to light. But this is how it's been in the industry for years. Yeah, you know? I think the thing is, is just there was no warning. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was no warning. None of them knew this was going to happen, so they didn't have a chance to back anything up right. or for like their own like demo reels and stuff. Yeah, you know? which is the worst thing. That's what really gets me steamed up. But if we could loop back real quick to um, Guardians of Cool, we lightly yeah. mentioned the movie, and I would also like to recommend actually watching the movie. The movie is a it's a conglomeration of the first three books. With many liberties taken with the plot, but I think it is one of the best, uh, it's one of the better adaptations I've ever seen of Yeah, it is, books. like, because it, it takes all of those elements, and even though it does take liberties, it's still, it's way better, like, it's way better than the Percy Jackson movie. <laughs> Which, the Percy Jackson movie was not good. Yeah. Um... And that, so that's like a low bar, but like it's good, uh, and it's kind of like it's not exactly the same, but it's a little bit like the difference between like Howl's Moving Castle the book and Howl's Moving Castle the animated like uh, Ghibli movie. Yeah, um, to a degree, like it, but 
more of like the fundamental story of the books is still there in Guardians of Gahul. So like if you're not sure you would like the books, watch the movie. Yeah. Although they inexplicably make them Australian. <laughs> and yeah, it did do that. I, I remember like watching thinking like, oh cool, this is a scene where they're gonna get attacked by the raccoon. It's just like suddenly like Tasmanian devil. I'm like, wait. Huh? What? Did, what, what? It's like, yeah, we're just going to have a Tasmanian devil attack them. Instead, I'm like, all right, okay, that it was a raccoon in the book, but I guess raccoons are too, aren't scary enough? And then it's like... Yeah, I think they weren't, like, scary or weird enough. You've... you've that, that makes me so angry. No, like, if you've I, ever listen. Seen an, if you've ever seen an angry <laughs> raccoon, I'm sorry, but angry raccoons are just as scary as a Tasmanian devil. Oh, yeah. No, they yeah. are. Uh, um, raccoons are terrifying yeah. creatures. Um... So yeah, uh, I, this book does not have a movie, uh, so, nor any kind of TV show adaption, um, which might be a mercy. And l- let me double check, let's see, Netflix, Redwall series, WAP, let's see if there's any Whop. new news on that. Nothing since last year, so like, bleh. who knows the status of the production of the new Redfall uh, show that's supposed to go on Netflix or movie or whatever the oh, fuck it is. Oh god, if it's on Netflix, it might have gotten axed. Yeah, well, if it had gotten axed, we would have heard news about it. There's just nothing. Okay. There's, they're probably still in production, because I think it's, it's animated, so they're probably still in production, and this is definitely like more high budget because i think it's supposed to be cgi mm. that it's not 2d animation and netflix kind of fucked up their 2d animation That's department because 2d animation not the cgi <laughs> it's dumb it's like and it's not as fast to produce as cheap garbage cgi movies yeah trust me it used to be a hobby of mine when i was bored to watch like the the newest weird like CGI talking animals movie <laughs> on Netflix. I think you actually like sat with like you I would like I've live blogged a few of them to it's you before. Very glorious, yes. They're dumb. So many of them are so bad. But also some of them are fantastic because that's how I got introduced to the movie Kumba, which is about a zebra who doesn't have his stripes. It was and, like, like an absurdly it, the nice movie's movie, a little... wasn't it? It's a little rough, but yeah, it, the story, the plot's a little weird, and uh, some of the, like, environmental subtones to it don't hit right, but it's a decent children's movie produced by a very small animation company in Africa. It's, um, I do not remember the specific country. Give me a second. I can't remember if it's from the same studio, but there was also that one on Netflix called Sahara, which was, like, the two different... It was. I wouldn't call it Romeo and Juliet, but it was, like, two different snakes. One who was, like, a beneficial snake raised, like, raised by humans and protecting him. And the other one was a cobra. And the two were like, I want to live in the different world. And they meet each other just like, oh, hello, stranger from the side I'm not allowed to go to. Um, and then they end up getting... Wikipedia. But Sahara was another one which was actually, like, quite nice. Yeah. Again, super weird. Um... By Triggerfish Animation Studios. Oh, Triggerfish. I've heard of them. Which is based in Cape Town, South Africa, and Galway, Ireland. What else have they done? 
They did Adventures in Zambezia, Kumba, and Seal Team. Okay. And they've done television specials for Magic Light Pictures in the UK. Interesting. Okay. Kumba's the only one of those that I've heard of and watched. Yeah. And I... The movie was made in 2013, but the animation still holds up pretty well. It does, yeah. Ow. Um, it's really good. There's a lot of, like, African animals, and it shows, like, um, some of the weird tourist industry in yeah. Africa, as well as, like, poaching, construction, things like that. It goes into a lot of issues that, uh, uh, South, like, Af like, countries in Africa are plagued with because of... Colonialism! <laughs> You know, shit like that. Yeah. Um, next time we should actually talk about movies. <laughs> Why not? Instead of just rambling. You know? Listen, yeah. we are literally doing this by the seat of our pants. We're just having fun. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I'm hungry. Yeah, I think we're good. And we've been doing this for an hour and 20 minutes. I think that's so. good. And we can, like, when yeah. we edit that down, we should get it to about an hour. So that should work out. My computer's yeah. probably going to overheat because I've had it plugged. Yeah. My computer's like, why have you been running Photoshop on me? I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's finish this out. Off. So uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to us ramble for an hour about some books we really liked as kids, as well as some other media properties. Um, if you have any recommendations for, like, stuff like genres or things that we could talk about in this like every four three or four books break episode where we just talk about nonsense uh feel free to sh shoot them our way um you can continue to find us on uh twitter and tumblr at abby archives as well as on reddit at abby archives um you can uh help support us at our uh coffee uh, at HS Enclave. Um, I have been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at the Shondeer and on Tumblr at Lots of Deer. Uh, my commissions are currently open. Uh, so commission me. Uh, I do good art. Izzy do. Um, yeah, I did a commission for Kit you just did. recently. It's very good. Uh, I'm actually very proud of it. It's very cute. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you can find me on the other HS Enclave, uh, podcast, uh, Hope's Hearth Pod, which is a Solar Hope Punk actual play podcast playing multiple different TTRPGs set in the same universe. And I have been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a box on Twitter or Tumblr. Um, I make Kitsunday, which are little dessert-themed ice cream foxes. In fact, I've got two really cute ones to work on uh, come Monday or Tuesday. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to take Monday off Monday. Is that the scoops? Uh, no. Oh, oh yes, it is the scoops. The... It, is the... I've it got, is the scoops? I've got one scoop to do and one late popsicle tail, which was ordered before the season ended, so I'm letting them, you know, squeak under the radar. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. I make them. They are fun to do, and I enjoy doing them. And Kit also does like regular yeah, art commissions. I do regular commissions, which I kind of miss doing. So I need to go and up those too, because you know I enjoy the Kitson Day, but I also enjoy having people throw their characters at me and be like, "Draw this," 
I could also do like very, very rarely I'll do like your character here stuff, but it's like very rarely mm-hmm. when I have an idea that none of my characters will fit into. So I'm just like, yeah, there you go. Auction time. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's been us. Um, thanks for listening. This has just been us <laughs> talking about whatever uh, under like a tree in the orchard or in front of the like hearth in the great hall today you know. today is definitely I mean, a tree under the orchard because it is so hot yeah it's so hot <laughs> we're definitely like uh under a tree in the orchard like we've got like our cold like like ciders and like some snacks and we're just vibing uh talking about <laughs> nothing whilst like other people are like coming in and out of the conversation yeah i mean <laughs> hey maybe the next time we do one of these we could get somebody else on here to just chit chat with us yeah maybe yeah We'll see. All right. Uh, So thanks, you guys, for listening. Bye. Okay. Want to do the clap at 35 or 30? The 30? Oh, I'm sorry. The 25? Yeah, let's do it at the 25. I was looking at the wrong thing. (laughs) It's hot. I'm tired. I'm ready to open the door. listening. If you like this podcast and want to help keep it going, please consider donating to our coffee, linked in the description below. Follow our Twitter and Tumblr at Abbey Archives and join our Discord. This podcast is part of Hearthside Enclave, and some other shows you might like are Hope's Hearth, a solar hope punk actual play podcast, and Post-Apocalyptic News Radio, a Fallout-inspired audio drama.